all that is definitely good. And like you all mentioned, I think another thing that can happen when you have a productive conversation or sometimes that conversation maybe doesn't go the way you want. I still don't believe not having the conversation is an option because you you never know or you, you never know, nor do you have control over what that unforgiveness, that bitterness is like going to, like how it's going to come out in you. Um, you won't find out until later. So it's, that's the kind of thing you may have control over whether or not you're allowing it to hurt you, but you don't necessarily have control over if you hold on to it and don't address it, you don't know what it'll turn into. Yeah. And um, you definitely want to definitely clear that. And plus, we're not just saying that like this is good advice. Pastor Blake referenced multiple scriptures. I mean, us as believers, especially, we shouldn't be holding anything between another believer because that will cause disunity. And then when disunity and dissension gets in the church, like a lot can be broken up from there, right? So like let's let's give, you know, no, let's give no inch for any of those things to happen. But that but like you said, Pastor Blake, uh most pastors are not taught how to be fiscally responsible. I would even argue uh most believers are not necessarily taught biblical conflict resolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and this is, I mean, I, I've said this to multiple friends before, but, um, I, you know, I definitely do live by it. Like peace, peace or not having any drama is, there's a difference. Like peace is literally, you may have drama, some other things going on, but you, you're taking the proper steps to address it. Mm-hmm. If you have some drama going on and you just like walk away. You never addressed it. It's still there. You yeah. just chose to yeah. ignore it. Yeah. And like I've even heard stories being told from different people, pastors even, who are like, yeah, I used to do this at a church and this pastor did this to me and it hurt me. And then years go by, they don't even remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you have, uh, you have, uh, Ebenezer Macedonia Church, and then you have Greater Ebenezer Macedonia Church, <laughs> and then you have wait, new. is that really how that happens though? And then you have All new, the then you have new Greater Ebenezer Macedonia Church. And what, what we don't know is all these were started from unresolved conflict. I'm mind right now. Wow. Yeah. That, that's not a rule for every church that has that. I name, just didn't know. No. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, oh okay. my gosh, that's why people put greater. Like, no, 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 no. Hey, hey yeah, Brittany, yeah, that happened. Brittany, that's how you have First Baptist, Second Baptist. And, and you rarely have Third Baptist because now we're New Life Christian. Yeah, yeah. That, you know. It's true. Like, every city is going to have a first, a second, and a new. Greater true joy Christian. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I know we're joking here, but to be honest, like, yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Like, when I've asked questions about how certain churches started, I was like, oh, y'all basically started because people couldn't resolve conflict. Yeah. yeah. And God, God just ended up using it to, you know, raise up different things. That's great. But regardless, um, I've just seen too many times people hold on to something and then, like, years go by. They don't even remember, mm-hmm. like, why that even happened. Hey. Or, yeah. No, go ahead, Pastor Blake. You know, I want to I, I want to dive into some, let's just say, some real church hurt that individuals have. And, um, you know, I think that we've talked about some things, money and relational conflict. But let's talk about it from the side that 
let's just say, as members of a congregation, as members of a body. Uh, now, as Brittany said, man, the church is global in one minute. And so let's just say that we have individuals inside the congregation that have sexual failure, right? Uh, or and, and that's members and or pastors that have sexual failure. Yeah. Here's, here's a big question that I'd ask anybody in terms of maturity. Maturity. Um, when a pastor fails sexually, does that affect your walk with Jesus? And I'm asking that question because God told us in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, that there were going to be sexual failures among leaders and teachers inside the body of Christ. He told us that. He also told us in 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, that there was going to be financial mismanagement by those. Uh, and if God told us in advance that these things were going to take place, the question is, is was our faith in that man or in that or in those leaders? Or is it that we're now praying for the mercy and grace to fall fresh on that individual that they actually need? Yeah. Um, now, I'm not talking about predatory type things right now. We can get into that later. So please, for the sake of this conversation right now, I'm not talking about a person being a predator uh, you know, on situations. But um, let's look at some, some amazing things about God and forgiveness, you know, um, because of our lack of forgiveness. David has multiple wives. He does not just have the incident go down with Bathsheba. If you read your Bible, David's got multiple wives. And Deuteronomy 17, 17 says the king wasn't supposed to multiply wives. Yes, but here's the deal. You know what you love at a funeral? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> you love Psalm 23 at a funeral. And you love Psalm 23 written by an adulterer. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, and you love Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Written by a man who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Ooh. And yet God allows his books to stay in the Bible. Yes, so sir. what does that say? About Does it talk about the failure of the man or the faithfulness of God? It shows you the mercy and the grace of God in spite of the millions of man's failures. God can use foolish people anyway. And it really shows you how awesome and great God is. God could use that dumb guy right there and get the glory out of the situation. And it shows you God's mercy and God's grace. So if God can leave... Solomon's Proverbs in the Bible, leave Ecclesiastes in the Bible, leave Song of Solomon in the Bible, leave Psalms in the Bible, you know, written predominantly written by David. Uh, and God knows these things. Why is it that when a Christian leader does something, then we get their books and we toss them out to Christian bookstore? You know, Pastor Blake, I think that um, a lot of what you're saying has to do with us okay. having... I love that. Having a like a real revelation and understanding of the gospel mm -hmm. um, that on my own, I am needy and helpless to solving my sin problem. And that Christ and his death on the cross and re resurrection solves my sin problem by faith. Mm -hmm. And that as I grow and walk with God, I do that by faith and I do that with others. And there's a reason why God is saying bear with one another in love mm -hmm. um, that like, this relationship that we have with other human beings is going to require long suffering. And I think that so many of us want our lives on earth to be free of any pain, to be free of any hurt. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's just not reality. 
And I think that when we have people outside the church, so to speak, they look at the church because they want that reality to exist and it doesn't exist anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it does have to do with these unrealistic expectations and that I'm not really taking the gospel as it is, mm-hmm. um, that I'm making people what God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when I see people as people, my my faith is shaken. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes when you see a leader that you and then they and you just like, Lord, have mercy. If you can't do it, how can we do it? But at the end of the day. I'm not trusting in so-and-so to be my example of how I'm going to glorify God. I'm trusting in God and the power of God, the power of the, sp- of the spirit to enable me to do what God is calling me to do. And that's the only way any of us are going to make any progress. Um, so let me read something out of the Bible real quick. Mm-hmm. Here's an amazing verse. Cause one of the things is I think that there's Nathan, a tremendous burden on pastors historically to be the perfect guy in the eyes of the people. Uh, there's a burden on pastors to, I got to know every answer. I got to know everything about everything. And, you know, and, and I allow myself to be idolized and lifted up in a position that I'm really not. I'm still in process. I'm still in progress like every other believer. I just happen to be called to this position in the faith uh, to build up others in the body. Hebrews 5 has always been a blessing to me. And y'all, I hope I can read it with my eyes out here real quick. Um, hmm. Hold up, I might have to turn the turn the flashlight on that mug, Doc, real quick. Let me see. Y'all, when you get older, y'all y'all learn this thing right here. Pastor Blake, you got to get that large print edition. Come on. No, no, no. I just need the right. I just need the right lighting. I just need the right lighting. <laughs> so, so check out Hebrews chapter five, verse one. Hebrews chapter five, verse one says, "For every high priest taken from among men, appointed on behalf of men." and things pertaining to God, in order to offer, watch this, both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Check out verse two. He can deal gently, that's fruit of the spirit, with the ignorant and the misguided, since he himself is beset with weaknesses. And and because he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins, as for the people, so also for himself. Did you catch that? See, the, the Old Testament priests had weaknesses. The New Testament pastor has weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so guess what? I don't have to try to live up to a standard of you idolizing me that I never sinned. No. When I read my Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 5 tells me if the elder does sin, then you go to the elder, talk to the elder about his sin. If that elder repents of his sin, then good. But if he doesn't, chastise him so that the others will be fearful of sinning. So that lets me know, elder sin. Let's make it more practical. Let's roll it down your street. Peter is tripping in Galatians chapter 2 when he shows out hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Brittany, you talked about earlier that the reason why people don't fool with the church oftentimes is because of hypocrisy. What does the Bible say Peter was doing? Hypocrisy. Peter is the leader of the Jewish church, the lead dog, the head guy. And his hypocrisy had Barnabas fall away. But what did Paul do? Paul jammed him up. Paul jammed him up. Yeah. Galatians 2 gets up in his face, jams him up. But you know what's amazing? Second Peter chapter three, Peter is writing about the words of Paul that are scripture because they've reconciled. Mm-hmm. They, you see, it's not that you're not going to Peter and Paul, the head of the Gentile church and the head of the Jewish church fall out. 
and they reconcile to later Peter's writing positively about the worship. He's not like, man, Paul put a brother on blast for, you know, that's not in the scripture. It's, man, that dude writes some solid scripture. Doc, sometimes they're hard to understand, but that gets solid. Though. It's, it's scripture. And so I think that we have to look at, man, the, the reality of the need for maturity in the faith and for us to recognize that people are going to engage in failure. And this is no excuse. I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving anybody a pass. I'm just simply saying that, man, if Galatians 6 says, if a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, Restore such a one with the spirit of gentleness, mm-hmm. guarding yourself, lest you too be tempted. In other words, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. I could be correcting a brother on Monday and the right stuff walk in front of me on Tuesday, and you need to come and correct me and bless me too. Help us. So if we're honest about the weaknesses of every Christian, every, every Christian is going to be in need of help, and every Christian is going to hurt somebody at some point in time. Now, how do we handle each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all need help. We all need forgiveness. Amen. I hope I don't have to read nothing else. So, uh, hey, keep, keep, keep the light on. Keep, 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 light on. <laughs> <laughs> keep the light on. Keep the light on, Actually, I had a couple more questions, but no, honestly, with what you just mentioned, I think that is pretty keen to i don't want to follow that i want to kind of leave that where that is uh in terms of where that goes we have to definitely remember if we're i'll say it like this if we've been hurt and are dealing with church hurt more than likely the very same people we are interacting with have probably experienced it and dealt with it as well so however you are feeling they have probably felt like that before don't be the one to allow it to linger and as Pastor Blake, um, you know, just read and called out, you know, from Hebrews, it is important that uh, church leaders and even lay leaders know, you know, how to handle that and whether they deal with that gently or whether they deal with that another way. But regardless, it has to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely shouldn't be ignored in any way. So you all, I had a couple other questions, but I think you all answered it in like conversation. I was going to ask like what role does forgiveness play and whose responsibility it is, but you all spoke to that. Um, I think we have time for this. I think the one of the final questions I had is like, I feel this is what happens sometimes. People get hurt at church and then they leave. Mm-hmm. The disappointing thing is they don't even always say why they're leaving they just leave Mm -hmm. and when you and when you do that you somewhat don't give people an opportunity to respond i had a friend who was at a church they didn't like the direction the way things were going so they left but before they left they had to sit down with the pastor then they left the church however what they didn't realize is they fixed everything probably within four months but the person was gone and didn't realize it Now, this same person ended up coming back to the church and they were like, wow, they actually listened to everything that I said. (laughs) Like, oh, wow. You know, I'm just a member who serves and they listened to what I said after I was hurt. So, like, I thought that was awesome. So probably one of the final questions I have and you all can speak to it is. When there is church hurt, is there any appropriate time when someone should leave a church? Because in the example I just gave. 
if that person had stayed a little bit, it would have worked itself out. And then thank God that God brought them back and they were able to see that. But is there any time where someone should leave a church? Because it seems like people who are dealing with church hurt, they just leave. And then if they leave in that manner, it's like never addressed. So I'm just curious if there's any appropriate time where somebody should leave a church rather than people just leaving because they're hurt. Um, I, I would be I would be curious to hear Pastor Blake's response on this. Um, for me, the first thought that comes to my mind is, hey, I mean, if, if they're not abiding by the scriptures or preaching the gospel that's separate from what we believe, then I just think I think a person should automatically just leave a church regardless of explanation or not. But as far as for a mistake, like like if a pastor makes a mistake or somebody else makes a mistake, that's something I'm not I'm not necessarily certain of. Like like that's why I'm curious to hear. I'm curious to hear what Pastor Blake would say to this because that's something that that's kind of been lingering a while for me in this area. So I, I would be definitely um, I would love to hear what you have to say, sir. I, I guess y'all want me to talk next, huh? <laughs> Yeah, you might have to read something. I hope oh, your light yeah. is on. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. We need some help. Yeah, yeah. Let me give let me give a real example. Um, uh, I was uh, well, pastor in crossovers, matter of fact, and some people who I know uh, that were a part of a church that uh, that I love and have respect for that ministry. Uh, they were struggling with some administrative things that were going on inside the church. And again, I go back to. Uh, people being trained uh, scripturally from solid seminaries, but yet may not have been trained administratively to handle things certain ways and had a small circle of entrusting people with things. And so uh, several very key leaders from that church came to speak to me and, uh, and they were looking at making their exodus. And um, as they share with me their concerns, I asked them this. I said, hey, you've really laid it out to me well. And I don't know the other side. I've not heard the pastor, but I have heard what you had to say. And I said, have you taken as much time in gathering this group of individuals who are also perturbed? Have you taken as much time to pray and then go talk to the pastor after prayer about what you see? And I'm talking about some mature people leading ministries, Bible college and seminary grads. Mm -hmm. And all of all of a sudden there was a blank stare on their face. I said, you all obviously love your pastor because and your church, because you said this. This is not the church that I started with. And I don't know where this church is going. So you obviously have some love, but uh, you haven't prayed and cried. And so what people do is they, they get hurt and then they get angry. Now, notice anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a uh, it's not a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. So I get hurt. So now I'm angry. So now I'm having discussions of anger and gossip. And so now I'm so hurt. I'm so angry and I'm so gossiping. It's time for me to go. And I want everybody else to know why I'm going. Right. And so have you cried in the presence of your pastor over where the church is and let him know, pastor, I'm for you. I'm for the ministry. I've been involved in the ministry. And those individuals had a blank stare and they had the blank stare moment because they realized as spiritual as they were, that they had not invested the time in prayer and in the other emotion of crying tears over the ministry. They just experienced hurt. I mean, anger and hurt, uh, hurt and anger. And then we're getting ready to leave. 
And those individuals went back and I said, man, before you before you leave, you need to go down and sit down and let the man know that you love him and that you're praying for him and however you can help that you're there. Because most uh, a lot of pastors are wondering who's really with me. See, that's the side that you don't get into is a lot of people don't realize that pastors sometimes are wondering who's really with me and who's around me. Because that's two totally different things. Some people are around me for the apparent so-called success of the ministry. But are they actually around me, you know, you know, or the reputation of the ministry? I'm not talking about Blake. I'm talking about pastors and the way they're thinking. Or, or who's really with me? Who's going to die out here on the sword? Who's going to serve the people out here? And so pastors don't know that. And so they oftentimes think that somebody's against them. And if they don't really know that you're with them and that you're going to die with them and serve with them to the end, they don't know if they can trust you. So pastors also question if they can trust the member as much as the members think that they can trust him. You know, uh, pastors know. uh, Now, let me just say this, totally honest. I was blessed probably in 2000, in the year 2000, 2001, by my theological mentor, uh, and my theological mentor told me, Blake, if you ever pastor a church, and this is 2000, 2001, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't plant crossover until 2006. So this is five years before. He said, you never want to look at the financial records of the members. He said, you never want to look at the financial giving records. I said, oh, really? He said, explain. He said, you want to have the spiritual freedom to minister freely to the individual that gives $2,000 a month. And to the individual that gets two dollars, uh, two dollars a month, he said, "You don't want your heart shaped by what they give, right?" Yeah. And so, and so, by that blessing, I don't know the financial records of our church in terms of the individual givers. Well, there are many pastors who, as leading the church, not only know the giving records of the church totality, but they know the giving records of the members individually, as well as their leaders. And so when I look at your giving record and I see that your giving record is shabby, but you got a whole bunch of talking up in this mug, no, I ain't ain't feeling you. So a lot of pastors are like, I'm not feeling you. You're around me, but you're not with me. And so when people come to complain to the pastor, the pastor has in the back of his mind, your giving record. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I'm being too real with you right now, and you don't want to hear all that, but that's what a lot. I've been on staff nine years before I planted a church. I was on the staff at a church at church for nine years before we planted crossover. And so there are a lot of ways that pastors are also evaluating members uh, on whether or not they're with you. So I think that, number one, you need to go to that pastor and let them know I'm with you. I'm here. I do not understand where we are right now. I don't understand this. If you can make it clear to me, then we can discuss it. You know, and then I think that's where you got to pray for the pastor to be mature enough to handle that. Now, why do I say that? Because when you come down to theology, you have the lay theologian. The lay theologian says cleanliness is next to godliness, right? Then you have uh, what you would call uh, the pastoral theologian. The pastoral theologian is a pastor who might have gone to seminary, might have gone to Bible college uh, right there like that, and he knows some Bible. Then you have the professional theologian. The professional theologian is the dude who has been trained and has possibly pastored and taught at a Bible college or seminary. And then you have what you call the academic theologian. He's answering questions ain't nobody asked, ain't nobody's answering. That's the academic theologian. Now, follow me where I'm going. Most pastors are 
pastoral theologians, which means they're one they're one level above their members' theology. Wow. Follow me, follow me very carefully. At the pastoral level of theology, he preaches, and you listen and say Amen, or wave your hands in the air. He's not used to questions. He's not been trained to answer questions. The professional theologian is the guy who's probably pastored, gone to Bible college and seminary, witnessed his professors answer questions. He's had an opportunity to teach at a Bible college or seminary. So he gets used to answering questions. So now understand the, the, the pastoral theologian who's being questioned by the lay theologian. He's not used to asking questions. So when you ask him a question, he's feel threatened. Are you following me? Because if I preach on if I preach on Sunday and I preach on Wednesday and there's no Q and A, there's no questions, there's no dialogue. Guess what? When you come and question me, I haven't been questioned in ten years. Think about how many pastors when there was still really Sunday and Wednesday. Because now we got small groups, community life. You know, we got got to hug each other. So so we got to do all that. But but back in the day when dudes were on Sunday and Wednesday, do you realize that dudes preached fifteen years and hadn't answered one question? Come on, man. So you haven't thought about that. So now when Brittany comes and says, Pastor, I want to ask you about this. What do you mean you want to ask me about something? <laughs> now, Brittany, who you think you are? You ain't even married. And you ask me something? You know, and so because they haven't been trained in that. That's real. I got that out of a book uh, called Who Needs Theology? Mm-hmm. I'm passing that down. And so it deals with the level of ability of the pastor to embrace the, 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 the needs of the body. So you have to have a biblical philosophy as a pastor. Jesus Christ, at Luke 2, 41 through 52, in verse 46, he was listening and, and asking questions. And so I have an expectations for the members to ask questions. I have an expectations in all that getting, get an understanding for the members to ask, ask questions. But here's the deal. If you if you up there and all you want to do is complain and you don't want to contribute, uh, we can check that, too. You know what I'm saying? Because I need you to contribute. I need you to take your gifts and employ your gifts. A lot of people just want to be angry right now and act like they're Charlemagne the God, act like they, you know, uh, uh, what's my man name? The little fake dude that always be telling me he's going to start a school. Uh, what's his Umar, name? Umar Johnson? Yeah, yeah. A lot of, Doc, we don't need y'all to be Umar in the church. We need you to be a blessing to the church. Amen? And so, Joaquin, I would say, I gave you all that to say that's the reason why a lot of pastors are uncomfortable when you uh, uh, ask them questions. It comes from a book called Who Needs Theology by Olson and Greens, G-R-E-N-Z, Who Needs Theology. It is an amazing, simple book, but you need that book in your life, people, so that you can kind of understand what's really going on. Uh, With that being said, I think that it's always important for you to prayerfully go to your pastor talk to them or the leadership structure and say, here's my questions. And sometimes you may want to, I'd like to send this to you so that there's a clarity level because sometimes when a person finally comes to talk to a leader, they're already nervous. And so they'll, you know, you know, cause I'm talking to the pastor, talking to the pastor, talking to the pastor, right? And so write your questions down and say, I'd like to ask these three questions and then follow that script and then, and, and then you can get it handled, you know, if, if people are spirit-led. Yeah. And so that I, I, I'd leave it like that. Make sure that you've prayed and you cried as much as you've been hurt and you've been angry. That's and then you go to the person. Because here's the deal. When you go to the leadership, you've gone to them to talk to them. 
Mm-hmm. Normally, when you're hurt and you're angry, you go talk to somebody else. Yeah. So you got you gossip. But watch this. When you have prayed and cried, then you exercise the gospel and you go towards the brother or sister and leadership or whoever it is in the body. And you talk to them and you apply the grace of the gospel to that leader or to that individual. But if you're just hurt and angry, you gossip about them and the devil uses you. Mm-hmm. No, that is good, man. That's good. And, 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 and that's the part that for me, for me, I lack experience in because for me, I've always been a person that will just go to church, be that person. And I'm, I'm, I'm that's just, that's just always been me. I'm going to, be that dude that you know the pastor can count on, I, and, I, and I and I try my best not to be quick to judge, you know, if a pastor does something that I don't like, because there may be a there may be an area for me to be able to grow, and there may be an area for me to be able to share that same the same type of responsibility that the pastor also has. So um, so um, so because I think a lot of times when it comes to young adults, when they leave the church they don't take on that responsibility. Um, and, uh, and and they end up saying, okay, like it's, it's whatever, because we do live in this, as Nathan said earlier, this uh, a la carte type church um, society where we can just get church from anywhere. So therefore I don't necessarily have to, it, it's all, it almost seems like it's almost a crutch almost to where I don't necessarily have to go to my, go to my pastor because there's these other pastors that I can just go and get because we live in this technological society. Mm-hmm, you know, so, mm-hmm. so um, you know, so I'm thinking about also like the the other pain, and I like what you said about about being able to you know you know pr- pr- through prayer through praying and crying. A lot of people don't hear that, you know, because we don't want to cry about what we're mad about, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because crying allows me to praying and crying allows me to face the actual situation head on versus deflect through anger. And so, um, and so, no, I appreciate that, Pastor Blake. Thank you. Let me mention one last thing. Um, uh, you all know we have a church, we have a series that's coming up called Church Hurt. We didn't preach the Church Hurt series during the pandemic because we didn't think that it would be a great mess, a series at that moment in time to minister to people during uh, the pandemic. It's not a, uh, a series that's going to allow a person to lay in hurt in any shape, form, or fashion. It's not that. It's going to talk about the realities of hurt uh, from four different perspectives. It's going to talk about the priest hurt. It's going to talk about, that's Jesus. It's going to talk about the people's hurt. It's going to talk about the pastor's hurt. And it's going to talk about the prescription to hurt. There are four sections in the series. Here's the thing that I would lay out for every Christian who wants to talk about their hurt with the church. They've been hurt by the church and they're through with the church. The very first message is going to talk about the priest hurt in 1 Peter 2, verse 21 through 24, where the Bible says that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross. Yes, sir. It's going to quote back to Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. It's going to also pick up in Acts 20, where he purchased the church with his own blood. If you want to talk about church hurt, there's no one that's been more hurt by the church than Jesus. Jesus is the person that has been hurt by the church more than anybody. And yet he is perfecting. He is uh, patient. He is loving. 
He is sanctifying. He's growing. He's long suffering. He's rebuking. He's disciplining and he's loving his church until the end. And if Jesus has been hurt by the church more than anybody else and watch this, all the sins that he died for just for Blake, then how can I say, man, I'm through with Joaquin over two things? Mm. Oh, over two things, you know? And so I think that I think that we need to keep the perspective in front of us when we talk about church hurt. No one's been more hurt by the church than Jesus. And yet he loves us to the end. Amen. Amen. That's good. And, and, and Pastor Blake, this is and, and, and all about the biblical text. I mean, you see church hurt, right? I mean, you see uh even starting from the beginning, when you see, you know, Adam and Eve and their whole community process and how that broke up when they uh, when they fell into sin. You know, even when you look at Cain and Abel, the brother, you know, the brothers, even with, you know, all the way down to Abraham and how he treated his wife, you know, Isaac, how he treated his family, you know, uh, Joseph, how he treated his family, even, you know, Joseph, I mean, excuse me, uh, 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 Jacob, how he treated his family. The same deal with Joseph and, and his brothers ending up selling him into slavery, you know, so I think, you know, everybody's been hurt in some form or fashion. I think, you know, and, it's, and that's not, as Brittany said earlier, it's not going to stop. I mean, but we have to be able to be responsible and mature enough to be able to, uh, you know, go to our brothers and sisters and and, and, out and, and, and know that God requires us to forgive one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nah, dope. Well, nah, honestly, thank everybody for contributing everything you did to this podcast. I mean, Church Hurt, as Pastor Blake mentioned, if we really were to delve into this topic, it really is its own series. Uh, and, and that is coming to crossover soon. But uh, well, Listen to Jerome Gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is a, there's a pastor that if you all aren't familiar with, Pastor Jerome Gay, he's out of North Carolina, Raleigh specifically at Vision Church. He, you'll probably meet him through our podcast on a different topic, but yeah, he's actually yeah. going through a church hurt series. You can check out now. We'll put the we'll put a link to that in the resources. Mm-hmm. But um, specifically, yeah, church hurt. Uh, we talked about a lot of things today, but ultimately, you've probably experienced church hurt. If you're going to deal with it, you have to process it and don't hold it into yourself. Um, actually, Pastor Blake mentioned something very crucial. Hey. Maybe you do need to write some things down and just say, I want to have a sit down. I'm not trying to, you know, usurp your authority or embarrass you or, um, you know, ask you questions that are difficult. I really just want to talk through something because I don't want to hold on to something that will put a rift in our relationship in the future. Mm-hmm. That relationship being with the church itself. Because it start a lot of times church hurt starts individually. Then it's now it's the whole church. Then it's I don't need the church, the ecclesia, you know, like mm-hmm. God. God died for the church. We are the body of Christ or the church. And then all of a sudden you find yourself not dealing with anyone. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't leave God when the source was an individual person that hurt you. You probably could have resolved that conflict. So always be the one to move forward so that doesn't happen. Uh, I wanted to extend the invitation to resources. Does anybody have resources they want to comment on? I think Pastor Blake just mentioned one. Who Needs Theology? I put that book in the... Uh, live chat for everybody but we'll have it on the resources as well um is there any other resources anybody wants to recommend as we close uh church hurt no pastor look i was going to say you you had a resource you told me about earlier on and um, i didn't get a chance to write it yeah. down yeah the name of it is and, and i'm pretty sure i thought that Brittany was going to uh mention it uh but the resource is entitled 
uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. Mm. Emotionally healthy spirituality is a resource that uh, I recommend that any believer get. And I know that Pastor Eric Mason has taken the Epiphany Church uh, through it as a Bible study. Um, And one of the things that I would say uh, as we talk about the reality of people really being hurt in the church, the church is a family. The church is a body. And one of the things is, is if you don't resolve your family problems in your, you know, namesake family, if I have hurt in the Wilson family, I will carry hurt into the Wilson family, into the Jesus Christ family, because I never resolved it in the Wilson family. And then I will expect to get hurt in Jesus Christ family. And so emotionally healthy spirituality delves into the depths of are you an emotionally uh, healthy spiritual individual and growing into that? And that there's some deep roots that you have of pain that you may be carrying that are falling into the church or your church life. And how do you, and how do you correct it? Emotionally healthy spirituality. I forgot the author's name. Sorry. Pete Scazzaro. Yeah. Say it again. Pete Scazzaro. Pete Scazzaro. I'd also like to recommend Life Together. Um, And it's it's always nice to hear from people in the church who have lived way earlier than we have. um, And to see that some of those same issues, same concerns are going to come up. And I really value the way that this book talks about the importance of the family of God and how to navigate life in the family of God. Dope. Any other resources? The Bible. Yeah, we know. Any any others? That's okay. Okay, dope. No, honestly, thank you all for our live listeners for checking in, listening to Church Hurt, like I said. Appreciate it. We'll we'll, we'll delve deeper into this, into a a whole series. But it's just one of those things that, as Pastor Blake mentioned, it's in the Bible and it's, it's happening today. So it's been going on for thousands of years. It's not going anywhere. Uh, you would do yourself a favor to learn how to process and overcome church hurt and really not let it fester at all as to cause division, right? So just try to address it as soon as possible as the Lord leads. Well, yeah, thank you all for checking it out. True Serum Podcast, uh, season two, we're, we're rolling. So we'll have many more episodes to come. And we listen to our viewers. So if you all ask questions, say things, feel free to season two yeah if you ask questions say things we work it into the episodes so that being said you can find us at crossoverbiblefellowship.org if you have a question you can email us at truth at crossoverbf.com you can do that or also you can find us on instagram uh with the truth young adult ministry and you can find us at you know instagram but you go to truth underscore cbf truth underscore cbf is where you can find us so thank y'all and i guess we'll catch you later Keeping up with the truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you, Pastor Blake. Love y'all, man. God bless. Thank you, Pastor Blake. Thank y'all for having me, young brother. You know what I'm saying? (laughs)